As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music and lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts, an eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. What is going on, everybody? How's everyone doing? Tuesday, October 22nd. Well, it's actually October 21st where I'm at because it's Monday night and the Monday Night Football has basically been over since the first quarter. When it was 17-0, the game was officially over. So we'll dive into that. Uh, don't know really have that much takeaway from this Monday night game. But you know you know, we'll dive into the Pats. Uh, obviously, Dallas Eagles, the Sunday night game, some thoughts there. The Saints, have they established themselves as the best team in the league? The Bears officially have a Mitch Trubisky problem. It's for some people, they've had the problem for a while, but I, I mean, I it, it's over. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I, I've been hard on Matt LaFleur before I even saw him coach a game. I, I didn't love the hire, as anyone that's listened to the show for a while knows, but I have to give him credit because he's done one thing with Aaron Rodgers, which might be the most important thing to happen in Rodgers' life in a, in a long time. Lamar Jackson, uh, listen, you know, he ran around like a high school quarterback, made a ton of plays. But is throwing for 100 yards on the road against good teams a sustainable strategy? Time will tell. I'd bet against it. But I'll give the credit where credit's due. The, the Baltimore Ravens are 5-2. and two. We'll dive into that. Jalen Ramsey. You know, Albert Breer wrote about this. Shad Khan was mad about his back injury. I mean, let's call it what it is. He officially quit on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And at the end of the day, I don't hold any ill will against him. You know, I, I might have done the same thing if I if I wanted out. So we'll dive into Jalen Ramsey and his new team, the LA Rams. Then, of course, the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. Same as my Twitter handle. My Instagram DMs are wide freaking open. You slide up in them and you get on the show. Easiest way to get on the show is you slide up in those DMs. But let's start with tonight. 
And I listen, I, I don't think there's any hyperbole with the Patriots. I feel very confident saying this. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach in the history of team sports. Any sport. I, I honestly don't even think there's a close second right now. I think this Patriot team, you know, takes a lot of heat because, they, oh, they play in the AFC East. Well, aren't we all pretty confident that they would win every single division in the NFL? Because I am. I mean, what they've done over this last 10-plus year stretch of this quote-unquote modern-day free agency and them being able to sustain this has been incredible to watch. Is there any team that you are consistently more confident in in big games? Like, more consistently delivers in big games. It's like, when you go to a Leonardo DiCaprio movie, it's always pretty good. He, hell, he got me to the theater with that movie he just did with Brad Pitt. Tarantino movie or whatever. It was it was fantastic. Because I know when... And I, I've been to two movies in the last like seven years. But if 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 Di, DiCaprio's in it, and he's giving me an A-plus effort, well, one, I know I'm getting an A-plus effort, and the movie's going to be good. If I turn on the Patriots on a primetime game, they're going to kick the crap out of someone. When they're playing someone in the AFC East, they got no shot. But I think it's very easy and almost at this point in time kind of lazy to be like, oh, the AFC East. I just saw the Jets last week blast the Cowboys, who, as we saw on Sunday Night Football, aren't that bad. The Bills, a flawed team, they're 5-1. and one. You know what the Bills are going to be? They're going to be in the playoffs. The Patriots kick their ass. No matter who the Patriots play, they're going to win more often than not because that's all the Patriots do. Now, did I expect to turn on the television and five minutes in the game to be over? No, that was a little quick. Did I expect them to make Sam Darnold look like he's from UC Davis and a practice squad player? No, I did not. Because I just saw Sam Darnold last week look like Joe freaking Namath against the Dallas Cowboys. What Belichick is able to do week in, week out on his game plan, offensively, defensively, special teams, you name it, just his team prepared, is unlike anything I've ever seen. And I started thinking about the most successful humans in the history of this world. It just, the best at their craft. Just find me someone who's better at their craft than Bill Belichick. Because you can find me people at quarterback, like this guy has a stronger arm than Tom. This guy might have a quicker release than Tom. Now, I would go to the mat, and I think most people agree, Tom's the greatest quarterback ever. But he's not the greatest, like, he doesn't have the greatest physical attributes ever. He's just won the most Super Bowls. And he's been really one of my favorite players ever. Just because he's the ultimate winner. And he's a great teammate. He's just a badass. I'm a huge Brady guy. But I really think Belichick, if I had to pick between one of the two of them, like 20 years ago, you say you get Tom, you got to split them up. You get Belichick or you get Brady. I'd go, well, I'd probably lean Bill because... While Tom is basically impossible to find, given that he's the greatest quarterback ever, I can't find quarterbacks. So what if I just get Belichick, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger? What if I find him a Rodgers or a Russell Wilson? Because I just look how prepared his team consistently is. He lost his defensive coordinator back-to-back years. This is their best defense since, like, the early 2000s. I don't have the box score in front of me, but I swear to God, there's five minutes left in the game, or maybe a little more. They have 15 turnovers tonight. I've witnessed four picks and a fumble. So at minimum, it's five. 
if you told me that at night's end they had 10 turnovers, I'd believe you. This defense is incredible. And I love this notion. Belichick, he just gets rid of all his players. He never signs guys. That's just false. That's not a true statement. Even going back, like Raider fans love telling me, Belichick would have got rid of Cleo Mack too. Well, he actually broke Richard Seymour off. When you're good, he keeps you for a while. Logan Mankins, he gave a huge contract too. Maybe he'll sell you your 8, 9, 10 as you're trending down. But if he values you and your abilities elite, he keeps you. He extends you. He wins with you. He did it with Richard Seymour. He did it with Logan Mankins. Look at this crew of guys. He's had the same core. Uh, Slater's been on the team for like 13 years now. Obviously, Brady's been there forever. Hightower's been there forever. McCourty's been there forever. Edelman's been there forever. They would have let Gronk be there for a long time, but he retired. Good players he keeps. High-level teammates he keeps. And then he finally broke off a guy the last four or five years to enormous money. It was Stephon Gilmore, a guy from his division, and that guy's now the best cornerback in football. The guy's a genius. I, I don't even I don't even know where this rant's going. Beside, I'm look actually it's the third quarter still. It's twenty six nothing. He's huddling his team early in the game, and they were up twenty four nothing. He's talking to his kid and Brett Bielema right now. They're just they're just so ahead of the curve. And I'm getting a lot of like, is is Adam Gase one and done? Does Sam Darnold suck? I don't know. I, I, I can never really make a, a strong opinion on the team Belichick is playing unless you're like close to being a worthy foe. Like last year, the Chiefs. A couple years ago, the, the Broncos. Because if, if you're inferior and he's truly locked in and trying, you're done. He, he, he's going to curb stomp you. And that's what he did. I can't imagine being a Jets fan and watching this game. Just how, like, what are we even doing in this sport? This sucks. We got no chance against this guy. Oh, so if he, what if he was in the NFC West? He'd win the NFC West. What if he was in the AFC North? He'd win the AFC North. Like, go around the divisions. He'd win them all. And if he was in the, all these, if he rotated divisions for the last 10 years, a different division every year, he'd probably end up at the end of 10 years with, at minimum, eight division championships. He might not win them all, because one year, you know, you might have a Chiefs team that goes 14-2, and two, or you might have a, you know, that Falcons team that went 15-1. and one. There'd be a couple outliers here and there if he was in the right division, but he'd win the majority of them. I promise you that, because it's become, has it become too easy for him? Maybe, because tonight was a bludgeoning. Tonight was, I was high on Sam Darnold after last week, and tonight feel bad for him a little bit he's mic'd up ESPN catches him saying I'm seeing ghosts it's gonna be hard to shake that comment for a while but man the Patriots are just I think the greatest machine I've ever seen in professional sports and I'm not even sure there's a close second welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like Forge FX can help meet the demand for skilled workers anywhere you go look there's gonna be a shortage of welders VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> Okay, let's dive into uh, the Sunday night football game. And it was big in terms of the implication of the winner versus the loser. Eagles at Dallas. Dallas kicked their ass. And I, I kept thinking about this game for the last 24 hours. And the thing I keep coming back to is, like, Collins always had this thing. You know, like rich people. They, they don't really have excuses. When, when you grow up, with every advantage, your parents are rich, and you go to good schools. Like you should be successful, you know, you really should. If you're six foot four and two hundred forty pounds in high school, like you're you're you don't really have an excuse not to be a Division one athlete, assuming you play sports. But there are some people in this world that do have excuses, right? If you grow up in much much difficult times, let's say than I grow up, your ability to be successful in life is more of a challenge. Just like the Cowboys, when you look at the Cowboys and the Eagles, one team legitimately has some excuses. The other team does not. It's why when Dallas lost back-to-back-to-back games, it was such a head-scratcher. They were my pick coming into the season to win the NFC. I clearly don't feel as good about that anymore. But as you saw last night, the talent on their team is immense. Even with some nicks and bruises, Van Der Esch gets hurt, and they roll in Sean Lee, who's a backup, four-time Pro Bowler. Actually, might be his best role because you keep him healthy. Like, you see how good Amari is. Zeke has been dominant. They should have kicked the crap out of the Jets. That, that, that loss was embarrassing. You shouldn't lose to the Jets. I don't care if Sam Darnold 
you know, was back. That's inexcusable. The Cowboys have had no excuses. None. It's why I think so many people around football were kind of shell-shocked that the Cowboys were getting their butts beat in after they started 3-0. and And I get the schedule changed a little bit. But come on. You shouldn't lose to Teddy Bridgewater. And we'll get into the Saints later. And they're really good. Hell, they might be the best team in the NFC. But like I'm watching the Eagles last night. They do have some excuses. One of their best players on defense, Malik Jackson, out for the year. Deshaun Jackson has been MIA with whatever injury since week one. When he dominated. Their corners stink. Their corners are not very good. But it's really hard. The problem was in this... Like, they did draft several corners the last couple years in the early rounds. They turned out to not be very good. Like, Sidney Jones is not a very good player. You miss on picks. Like, why didn't they sign one in free agency? Corners don't really hit free agency. And then in the draft, they took a left tackle in the first round instead of maybe taking a corner, which I'm sure many Eagles fans wanted them to do. But Jason Peters is probably his last year on the Eagles. Andre Dillard will be the next tackle for the Eagles. So that was a pretty important pick. But their secondary stinks. Mainly their corners are not any good. Where the cow, you look at the Cowboys defense, they don't really have many holes. They can rush the passer. And here's another reality with the Eagles. Like Brandon Graham's just getting old. Fletcher Cox just a little older. Sometimes your players just get kind of older. Now Carson Wentz can only do so much. And he didn't have a great game. It's on the road. The environment was tough. But I do think the Eagles have some legitimate excuses. Everyone's like, people, I, I get all these DMs. Like, Howie and Doug. They won a playoff game last year. They won the Super Bowl two years ago. Like, yeah, it's, it's hard. <clears throat> I think that speaks to what New England does, why it's so crazy. It is very, very difficult to sustain winning in the NFL at a super, super high level. But in the last two years, they've won one, two, three, four, four playoff games. And one of those is the Super Bowl. So if they, quote unquote, miss the playoffs, which it's they're in a tough position right now, it's not that big of a deal when you look at the big picture. Because you know what the Eagles will do? I've been around Howie, and unlike a lot of analytical people who love to tank, like tanking's the right thing to do, the Sam Hinkies, that, that word wouldn't cross his mind. That, that philosophy with the Eagles would never be said. That They would jump off the Walt Whitman Bridge before they started selling off pieces. This is not their philosophical belief on how to build the team. That's why if I was an Eagle fan, like, yeah, there's been a tough couple games, but you know what? I'll hold my head high. Because I know I have one of the most aggressive and smartest GMs in the league. I have one of the most progressive, forward-thinking owners that will give you whatever you need to succeed and have a star quarterback. Yeah, this might be a season you go 8-8 eight and because eight you had major flaws and got hit with some injuries. Shit happens. But I think back to Dallas, like they don't get a shit-happen season. You have too many good players at every freaking position to not make the playoffs and then make an impact in the playoffs. Like, Dallas shouldn't just get to the playoffs and not think that they can't beat Green Bay, beat New Orleans, beat San Francisco. I'm not saying they will, but you see the talent on that team. And the other thing is, you go 10-6, and and let's say you win the NFC West, or I mean, excuse me, the NFC East, and you're the four seed, you still get a home playoff game. Then you're going to have to go on the road and win a playoff game after that, but they're going to get a home playoff game as long as they win the division, which they're kind of in the driver's seat now to win the thing. So... When I watched yesterday, I, I really I was shocked because I didn't necessarily see the Cowboys blow them out. But I had been my idea of them had changed so much over the last three games. Like I, I try not to overreact to one game. You know, everyone's like, and we'll get into Lamar a little later. Like Middlecoff, are you gonna eat crow on Lamar? Why? Because he threw for 140 yards and the defense scored 14 touchdowns. 
and they won a game by 14. You think I'm going to overreact to that? Or, but I am going to re- re- overreact to like a, th- a month stretch. And the Cowboys were pretty embarrassing over a month stretch. Like, I listen, Dak, kind of like Jared Goff, has his flaws. I wouldn't want to pay him $110 million. I think their number is somewhere in the 80s, even though I understand the way the economics and the sport work. But he's good enough to win you 11, 12 games with this freaking roster. As long as Jason Garrett just gets out of the way and lets Kellen Moore call the, you know, call the offense and lets that defense just play really fast, kick ass, and take names. Like, the Dallas should be better than the Eagles right now. When you just put the rosters side by side and the players they're rolling out, Dallas has a huge advantage. Then we get down to coaching, and I'll give Jason Garrett credit. He did a good job. As I watched Doug Peterson's post-game press conference, and they're like, did you guys think all those turnovers, you weren't prepared? He's like, yeah, I don't know what preparation. Like, the turnovers, you just fumble the ball. They had two fumbles early in the game, and it led to touchdowns for the Cowboys. I don't think that has much to do with, like, preparation. They do, like every NFL team, ball security drills every day. Sometimes you fumble, sometimes you don't. You know, especially a team that's had a lot of success. Like, I don't think they have, like, some preparation problem. I've seen Doug Peterson in the biggest games in America. And he's outcoached some of the best multiple times. Like, I, hell, he, he did Fangio last year down the stretch. He did Belichick once upon a time. Like, the guys had some pretty big Zimmer two years ago in the NFC Championship game. Like, I, I don't. My, my thought process doesn't change. More because once you watch them side by side, you kind of realize, well, the Cowboys should win this division. This is the year that they should win this division. Now can they get this thing right and start rattling off some wins and be an 11 or 12 win team? Or are they going to be just win the NFC East at 9-7 and seven and be an underachieving team? That's where I think the bigger picture when it gets to Jason Garrett and, and uh, Jerry Jones, like is Jerry just going to give him some courtesy two-year extension if he just makes the playoffs? Or does he legitimately have to win two playoff games to get to the NFC Championship game? Because I think that's fair. You get him to the NFC Championship game, you get like a two-year extension. But if you don't, you're gone. And I think the problem for Jerry, and we've talked a lot about this, I'm not going to rehash it, is Jerry doesn't want to go on a coaching search. And if Lincoln Riley turns him down, maybe Urban Meyer wouldn't. I'd hire Urban Meyer over Jason Garrett. But maybe you could just get Urban Meyer. Maybe he'd do it. But the problem for Urban Meyer is he has this stress thing that he always you know, blacks out and freaks out and has to quit. So Jerry can't, you think the pressure's high at Ohio State and Florida. The Dallas Cowboys are another level. And I wouldn't say that about many NFL teams. You know, like the Eagles, it's a short list of teams. Like the pressure for, listen, the Niners are the biggest team in California for football. The pressure for the 49ers is not the same pressure at like Florida or Ohio State. I am I feel confident and secure enough to say that. We just, we're not quite as passionate out here. But the Cowboys are a different animal. And I, I, you know, I think there is some pressure now on Jason Garrett, especially as they keep playing this season. Like, bro, you're going to have to make a legitimate run in the playoffs. This is kind of like the NBA. Like James Harden, I don't care how many points you score in March against the Memphis Grizzlies. Can you, can you consistently do it against the Warriors and get to the next round and make it to the finals? Because that's what I judge you on. No one gives a shit about your game against Phoenix in December. No one cares. Like, Jason, i give you a, a thumbs up there, but at the end of the day, we're judging you come January. That, that, that's where the Cowboys are going to be judged. And as you saw last night, that's where they should be judged. They have a playoff-level roster. They have, they have a top four or five roster maybe in the NFL. Put up or shut up year four. Jason Garrett, we all know that, but, you know, I, I, I think at the end of the day, you're probably going to let us all down. 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky, they're saying, Cal's a bust, you can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> okay, let's dive into uh, Bears hosting the Saints. And I'm going to start with the Saints. I, I think... Yeah, I'm sure most people listening have had shitty things happen to them in their life, right? And you you find out a lot more about yourself personally, professionally, when bad things happen. It's just just the reality of life. It's it's hard to be like self critical when business is booming, your relationships great, just the way the world works. When you get fired, I have, you know, you got to do some soul searching. When you, you lose, I lost my dad last year. Not easy, you know, but I've lost people before. It's tough. You realize like the sun comes up the next day. If things just don't stop for you, it sucks. And obviously being fired and losing your dad aren't even in the same world. But we all have bad stuff happen to us all the time. 
And I think the older you get, you realize you're no different. Like everyone goes through bad stuff. And it's easier to put perspective when bad things happen. I also think when bad things go down, you can learn a lot about some someone. Some people don't handle it well. Some people aren't equipped to handle it well. Others are. And I think Sean Payton has had the ultimate muscle flex this season. He lost Drew Brees in the middle of the Rams game. I, like most people, were thinking, they're done. They are screwed. Teddy looked bad in that game. I thought they had an excellent team, but I just, this this team's done. You know, especially when you didn't know what was wrong with the thumb. You're like, they're going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. Well, it turns out Drew Brees is eventually going to come back, but they haven't flinched. They not only haven't, like, lost a step. After that Rams game, they put the pedal to the metal, and they have been wrecking shop. They went into Chicago yesterday, or I guess if you listen to this on Tuesday or Wednesday, a couple days ago, and beat the living crap out of them. That was an old-school-ass whooping. They went to Dallas. They took care of business there. They went to Seattle, beat the crap out of them there, beat the crap out of the Jacksonville Jaguars a week ago. They have dominated. I have so much respect, and I always did, and my coaching buddies in the NFL would tell me they think Sean Payton is as good as it gets. He's a little crazy, but, you know, hell, who's most people that are really good at a profession might are a little have a couple screws loose. Yeah, you have to be. And he's had, you know, some blemishes on his resume. And he went through that period of time when he couldn't get a defense and they were going 7-9, and 8-8, and eight, even though Drew Brees was putting up historic numbers. But what they've done these last couple of years putting this team together, they were equipped to handle when Drew Brees went down. But I didn't think Teddy Bridgewater was good enough. He made him good enough because he actually looked really good against the Bears. But their defense is unreal. He's empowered Dennis Allen. They lost Alvin Kamara, who's one of the best non-quarterbacks in the league. And Latavius Murray looked freaking awesome. And I've been watching Latavius Murray since he was a rookie for the Raiders. He has gotten a lot better, but he's a solid backup. They have a very, very, very well put together team. If I'm ranking the NFC, now we're going to know. Here's why it's kind of stupid. Because the Niners play the Saints and the Packers. So in like a two months, and obviously Seattle and the Rams, they all play each other. So we're going to have an idea. Like when the seeding comes at the end of the year in the NFC, we're going to know exactly who the top teams are. Now, that doesn't mean those teams won't be upset when they play each other again in the playoffs, but the Niners and the Packers and the Saints will have all played each other. And obviously, Minnesota plays Green Bay multiple times, and Seattle and LA then play the Niners. So we will understand. Plus, the Niners, the NFC West plays the NFC South, so the Rams and Seattle will also play New Orleans. Seattle already played. I guess they've all played them. The Rams beat them. That was a weird game. And we've seen the Saints. They got their shit together in the next game and they pounded Seattle. So I guess now I'm talking through it. I realize those teams have already played. Uh, So the Niners game is going to be big because I assume Drew Brees is going to be back. But I think this game, we have learned so much about Sean Payton. This has been the ultimate muscle flex, back to what I said, about just his coaching career. To be able to do this and to lose your, I mean, the best player in the history of the franchise, and to have a team this just well-equipped. And this tough. Because I think sometimes when you get an offensive coach, their teams aren't as tough. But I'm watching the Saints. They throw haymakers. They dominate on defense. Their running scheme is excellent. The way they used Taysom Hill, they, they ran a play against the Bears. There was like a triple option. It was incredible. I mean, Sean Payton... Remember when remember when Tom Brady was lost game one, 2008? 
and they proceeded to go 11-5. Now, granted, they missed the playoffs. It was a weird year. But they went 11-5 with Matt Castle. This team, are they going to go 14-2 and with Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater and have the number one seed? Because they, they sure have the ability to do it in front of them. They play the Niners, so they, they control their own destiny. And I, I think right now they're the best and most complete team in the NFC. Uh, and then we look at the Bears, who are the opposite. Mr. Trubisky stinks. Like, it's, listen, Nagy's my guy. Nagy didn't draft him. Like, this is on Ryan Pace. He drafted him number two overall in a draft that had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Now, ultimately, Patrick Mahomes I view as somewhat of an outlier. Uh, If you read stories about it, there were really a couple coaches that were really all in on him, and that was Sean Payton and Andy Reid. Those guys are the best in the business at offense. So, most teams, like Kyle Shanahan didn't like him. A lot of teams didn't like him. They just, they were turned off by his, his playing style. You had to be a unique offensive mind to see it. So I'll even throw Patrick Mahomes in the trash. But I heard Michael Lombardi on his podcast make a great point. Ryan Pace drafted uh, Mitch Trubisky, who was from the same conference, the ACC, as Deshaun Watson. From the same freaking conference. Clemson and North Carolina play each other every year. One guy, one-year starter. The other guy, multiple-year starter, national champion, one of the best coaches in the country compared to Michael Jordan. Now, sometimes that hyperbole gets thrown around with prospects from college coaches, but Deshaun Watson was clearly really good. He watched the tape of Deshaun Watson and of Mitch Trubisky and thought Mitch Trubisky was better. Well, three years later, I'm not, it's water under the bridge, they have Mitch Trubisky. It's pretty, Mitch is just not good enough. If you continue to start Mitch Trubisky, you will lose. It's really that simple. It is deflating their defense because they are looking worse and worse by the week because they know their margin for error is zero, is nothing. It, they're mar- it's like if you have a baseball team, and I saw it for, for years with the Giants, the San Francisco Giants. They had elite pitching. Around these parts, we called it Giants Torture. And they had Lincecum, they had Matt Cain, they had Madison Bumgarner, they acquired this guy named Ryan Vogelsong, who made an all-star. They, they were uh, the best pitching staff. I think they had the lowest ERA in baseball. They couldn't score runs. And this baseball is way different now. Everyone scores runs. But like in 2010, 2012, they couldn't score runs. So if, if a starting pitcher gave up three or four runs, the Giants were going to lose. Their margin for error was nothing. Now, baseball is a little different. They were able to consistently do it. Now, granted, they were never winning like 105 games. They were winning like low 90s. But it's like the Bears. The Bears know if they give up two touchdowns, the game's over. Because Trubisky is just not capable of making plays. And I don't count plays in the fourth quarter when you're down 30 points. That's just, that's just garbage time points. And the NFL is a garbage time point league where, where final scores consistently don't reflect the game. I, I've re, I, I, two things I've noticed this year and I'm sure they've been happening forever, but they stick out like a sore thumb to me, is one of the garbage time yards and points that are given in the NFL. Why it's somewhat difficult to bet. It happens every week, multiple games, where a final score will be like 40 to 32. You'll be like, oh, that was kind of a close game, when really the final score felt like 40 to 3. You also, I put zero stock now into first drives. Every decent coach has a good first drive. Your first drive, if you don't have a first good first drive, I red flag you. Like, every coach can move the ball on the first drive. 
I put I put little than the Redskins drove right down the field on the 49ers in the first drive. It do, it doesn't mean anything to me. But what does mean something to me is Mr. Bisky because when you draft a guy in the first round, between your third and your fourth year, you have to pick up their fifth year option. So this offseason, they're going to have to pick up Mitch, Mitch Trubisky's fifth year option. I think I can break the news now. The Bears will not pick up his fifth year option. Right? I mean, it's, the man on the moon could have told you that. But are they going to keep playing him? Here's the thing you can't bench him because Chase Daniels stinks too. So you're not going to bench Mitch Trubisky for Chase Daniels. At least Mitch has more talent than Chase. I think the question is, do you trade for a guy? Would you trade for an Andy Dalton? Would you trade for a Marcus Mariota? Would you just look around the league and maybe get, I don't know, even try a Josh Rosen? Try something. Because if you just get any decent player out of your quarterback, Allen Robinson's a good player. Their defense is still really good. I mean, yesterday, Cordell Patterson was making plays. Like They got players on their team. If they had an above-average quarterback, like if you flip-flop Kirk Cousins and Mitch Trubisky, the Bears are winning 10 games. And the Vikings would be screwed, right? So I, 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 I think the hard part about this is, is that the general manager picked this player. The head coach and the coaching staff did not. So Nagy's a great guy. He's going to say all the right things. But at the end of the day, Mr. Bisky's starting to make Matt Nagy look like an idiot. And I'm getting a lot of people DM me like, Middlecuff, why aren't you hard on Matt Nagy? Because his quarterback's terrible and he had nothing to do with acquiring the guy. And he's never told me anything about the guy besides positive things. I'm not going to text him in times of turmoil right now. And he wouldn't tell me anyway. And I wouldn't even put him in that situation. But if you're Ryan Pace, you got to bite the bullet on this one and just tell him, listen, Matt, I screwed up. Let's let's get our scouting staff. Let's pick three or four players and we'll rank them and we'll try to trade for them. Because we're going to try to make the playoffs this year. And we may not, but we keep rolling out Mitch. We're not making it. Like that's We have evidence now. It's not going to work. The league hasn't figured out. He's just not good enough. It's over. Like you saw the Saints. Teddy Bridgewater was running circles around Mitch Trubisky. And he's a $6 million backup. Maybe $7 million. Actually, $7 million well spent. It's like they were playing different sports. So the Bears just have to ask themselves a question. And it starts with Ryan Pace. Like just, you got to take the L on this one. And you know what? The quicker you can take L's in life, the quicker you can move on to a W. But when you hold on to an L and you refuse to admit it, you're only screwing your organization. So to me, this is on the general manager to look at the org- to look at the owner, look at the head coach, look at the team, and be like, I'm sorry, guys. Mitch, you're going to the bench. Chase, you'll just be the third stringer. We're going to go attempt to trade for someone. And hell, it might not work, but we're at least going to try because if we keep doing the same thing over and over, what's the definition of insanity? Trying to do the same thing over and over? That's kind of what's going on now. And I'm putting this on the general manager, not the coach. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> okay, let's get into uh, my man, Aaron Rodgers, and the Green Bay Packers. I-, I watched that game pretty intently yesterday. Uh, here in the Bay Area. And, you know, the Raiders actually played him tough until Derek Carr just made a just just a terrible decision, tried to reach the ball over the pylon, which I never understand. The, the NFL media hates when you reach the ball over the pylon and then you fumble and it goes out of bounds and then the other team gets it at the 20. Like, it's welcome to life. You, you risk a lot, and he's risking a lot to score a touchdown. And the risk, the risk versus reward. So you can get a touchdown or you get a touchback. Like it's, I, I don't understand why people freak out about that penalty. Like it's, it's a, it's a harsh penalty for trying to score a touchdown. Don't do it if you don't want to take the risk. Just run out of bounds. It, it doesn't bother me at all. But this isn't about the Raiders. It's about the Packers. And it got me thinking watching him play yesterday and really the last several games. And, I, you know, I was someone that thought Matt LaFleur would not be a good head coach. And I still am going to stand on the island of, I'm not exactly sure what he's, what he's doing, but I do know one thing he's doing, and this is very important. Have you ever been miserable in life? Whether you were at a job you hated? Think about, I've been in a position where I was at a job where I couldn't stand being around the people I was working with. I didn't trust them. I didn't think they were capable of doing what I wanted to do. I hated the guy I worked for, despised the guy I worked for, hated it. It is a miserable experience. And texting around the league, and obviously some of the stories that have come out over the last year, everyone in the league knew 
Rodgers couldn't stand McCarthy. They had a toxic relationship. And when you're in a professional toxic relationship, you know, in, in sometimes in life, you're just kind of stuck. You know, you got a family. It's a little different. Like Rodgers, he can't just be like, I want to be a free agent. He's just stuck there. You know, even if you have a job that doesn't pay you $80 million, like Rodgers got a signing bonus last year. But even if you're making hundred grand, you might not just be able to afford to just leave. If you have a couple kids at home, life's tough. Sometimes you're just stuck. You got you to gotta suck it up. But you're still miserable. And being miserable is miserable. I think we all can agree on that. And Rodgers looked miserable these last couple years, especially last year. It was clear when you watched the Packers. And he wasn't playing that well. But you kind of take a step back. Was he just so mad and miserable of playing for Mike McCarthy that, you know, some of your ambition, I don't even know if ambition's the right word, but your just drive can get sucked out of you. I've had it happen to me. And and I'm sure many of you have had it happen to you. Now, it doesn't, I hopefully it doesn't stay that way. It might only happen for a month, maybe six months, but it can be really, really draining. And it ruins your mood. And then you know when you come home, you know, you're around your wife, your girlfriend, your family, you're just miserable. It just, it, 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 it impacts you greatly. And I think you could see it on Roger's face the last several years. So I will give Matt LaFleur credit on this. Rodgers looks really happy. And yesterday is a good example. They started blowing out the Raiders, and LaFleur kept calling pass plays in the red zone and let kept letting him, I don't want to say pat his stats because he was going to ball out no matter what. He was dialed yesterday. But he instead of having a five touchdown, five passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown, he could have easily had maybe three touchdowns and then they mixed in a couple rush touchdowns for the running back. They didn't do that. And Rodgers had a huge smile on his face. And it's clear he feels like the weight of McCarthy and that toxic relationship is out there. Now, does that mean that him and Matt LaFleur agree on everything? That he loves his offense? I'm not saying that at all. But he looks happy. And so whatever Matt LaFleur is doing, it's working. Because yesterday, actually, the defense wasn't good. The, the Raiders were gashing, slicing and dicing them. Josh Jacobs was running all over them. Darren Waller was making plays. Now, maybe Darren Waller is just really good. And maybe Josh Jacobs is a rookie of the year. So maybe we'll look back at the end of the year and go, well, those two guys are pro bowlers. And they might be. Like, it looks like Waller's headed to the pro bowl. What an incredible story. From drug addict to probably the comeback player of the year in the NFL. Just incredible. Very symbolic of what the Raiders stand for. That type guy. They just don't, they haven't hit on a guy like that in years. They finally did. And Josh Jacobs is a stud. So their defense was getting gashed. And really, before the car fumbled the ball, he was playing well. And he did play pretty well for the most part of the game. But Rodgers was in a completely different planet. Now, I understand he's playing really well. He's going to be happy. But I watch a good amount of his press conferences. How, how could you not? You just If you follow the NFL, Rodgers is one of the, its biggest stars. And he seems to have a different vibe to him this year. Now, winning cures all. There's no, if they were 2-4 and four instead of 5-1, and one, does that even, yeah, that adds up. Would he have the same expressions? No. But I do think if you could, and and you know he's pretty guarded at this point in time in his life, in his career, if you could have some beers with him and just talk life, I'd be shocked if he didn't tell you how much more joyful it is to come into the office now, how much freer he feels to have McCarthy out of there. And and sometimes, you know, beside hopefully the relationship you have like with your wife and obviously like your kids, most relationships are usually meant to end, right? Professionally, uh, 
even even many personal relationships, you kind of separate from people as you grow, you go down different paths, but definitely professionally. Most professional relationships don't last forever. And when you're in such an intense partnership as a head coach and a star quarterback, like going 10 plus years is a lot. It's, well, it's pretty nuts about Brady and Belichick. They've just won so much that they've overcome probably their differences over the years. But you saw those last two years when they started losing. You, you can't even fake it anymore. And so Matt LaFleur, whatever he's doing to keep his star quarterback happy, it's working. And Rodgers looks like kind of a new human being right now. Okay, let's get into the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. And a lot of people have been DMing and tweeting at me, Middlecoff, are you ready to eat crow? Are you going to eat crow? And uh, no, I'm not. Because I don't even necessarily think I'm wrong yet. Let me state by saying this. I would not have drafted Lamar Jackson. I also would not have drafted Josh Allen. I've said this many, many times. This is this is a business for me. This is not personal. I've actually grown to really, really like Lamar Jackson. Watching the game yesterday, like something you appreciate the older you get when you're in this business of evaluating and talking about people is when you meet people or when you know people that are around people and they speak highly of them, it's hard to not like them. It's easy to root against people that you think are slap dicks. It's easy to root against the douches, especially when you don't like them as players. It gets a little more complicated when the guy's a good player you know, and kind of a bad guy. It's easy for me to root on Lamar Jackson. He seems like a fantastic guy. Yesterday on a delay of game, he went apeshit. So clearly his give a damn is really, really high. You can't not watch him and feel that. I think Colin tweeted it. Like, he's got some flaws. But his energy and effort and give a damn, you just it, it jumps through the screen. But he has a fundamental flaw. He's not very accurate. So to sustain quarterback play in the National Football League, I'm not talking high school football, and I'm not talking college football. I'm talking about Sundays. And to be consistent on Sunday for the long term, you got to be able to complete passes at a really high rate in today's day and age because of your ability and the way the rules, because of the rules make it for quarterback's ability to just have easy layup passes. You're going to get a ton of layups. They can't touch your wide receivers. There's this term called uh, defenseless players, even though the receiver's running over the middle of the field. Can't touch them. Can't hit them. Can't hit the quarterback. Can't hit the receivers. It's pitch and catch. It's a receiver-quarterback league more than ever just because of the rules. I, I, I feel for defenders. Yesterday he completed nine passes. Let me repeat that. Nine passes on the road in Seattle. In what world in the last of this Pete Carroll era could you ever have gone to Seattle and complete nine passes and win the game? It's not happening. Now, he made some plays with his legs that were just badass. They, they were incredible. He, he was making plays on his legs uh, with his legs that looked like a high school quarterback. He, he's an exceptional runner. I take a little offense when I see Ryan Clark say he's the best running quarterback ever. No, it's Michael Vick. Like, Google Michael Vick. Go to, check out YouTube. And that's not a criticism of Lamar. Like, Michael was faster. He had a better arm. He was just a better version of Lamar. Now, Lamar might be slightly more accurate. Lamar had some rough drops. So I'm not saying that all his nine completions should have been like 12. But he's just not the most accurate player. And they're telling you, like, they want to run the ball. And they want Lamar to run the ball. 
But when you when some of your go-to plays are quarterback power or just to have him kind of freelance and make plays with his legs, that, that's not something that's going to work for 10-plus years. Now, can it get them to the playoffs in back-to-back years? Yes. Are the Ravens now at 5-2 and two and the, the Browns suck, Steelers are done, the Bengals are awful, going to make the playoffs? Yes, they are. Am I going to bet the house on them to lose that playoff game? If they play the Bills or the Texans? You bet your ass I am. Did it last year against the Chargers. And Lamar was terrible. Because you have to throw to win big games. Now yesterday, it was a big game. They got 14 points off turnovers. People are like, look at Lamar! Give Lamar his credit! He threw for 100 yards. He ran for almost 150. And he was sensational on the ground. Making play. But you you don't do that. Like, you're going to do that against New England? You're going to do that against, remember last year against the Chargers? You think you're going to get into a shooting contest with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? You're going to beat the Colts that way? No. No. You beat the Saints? You beat the Niners? No. That's not the way you win in this league. Like, you can lose weight because you just don't eat or fast. That's not a sustainable way to live. Try working out and just eating healthy. That's easier. It's like, try completing passes. We saw Cam Newton, who is physically the like, and I'm not saying Cam's this way, but I'm just saying like the steroid version of Lamar. Again, I, Cam is just a born that way. I'm not, I, I have no problem calling out, you know, baseball players for steroid. I'm not saying Cam Newton's a steroid user. I'm just saying like that's, if you went into the lab and, and supersized Lamar Jackson, you get Cam Newton, who's way bigger, stronger arm, just physically much more complete. And he was able to do it for seven, eight years. And his body just basically tapped out on him. All these injuries, all these years of running quarterback power, running around, done, over. And I don't think anyone would argue that Cam Newton was a much more talented prospect, even early on in his career, than Lamar Jackson. You can be blown away by the quarterback runs. They're awesome. I do like them. And I'm not anti him doing that. I enjoy watching him run around. I just don't think you can do, like, is he going to be the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens for the next 10 years? How's he going to sustain doing this? You, you, you watch Russell Wilson when he slides and he gets out of bounds. You watch Lamar Jackson who dives forward. You know when you do dive forward, you're not giving yourself up when you're in the air and are in, like, parallel to the ground. These defenders will try to hit you and hit you hard and inflict pain because the only time of the week they get to hit you. It's the and, and they can't touch you when you slide or you go out of bounds. That's not really Lamar's style. So unless Lamar dramatically changes his style and learns to win within the pocket, this is not a long-term experiment. This is going to be short-term. Now, I'm not telling you not to enjoy it. And it's not fun to watch. And it's not fun to watch just his energy. I, I like it. I like it. I'm a, Har- I'm a Harbaugh family from Jack Harbaugh to John and, and Jim. I like the, I, I root for the Harbaugh family. I like, they're just crazy SOBs, and I like them. So I like seeing John win. His teams are just, he's crazy. But this, do I think they're going to be able to sustain being able to do this forever? No. And maybe they're not even thinking. Maybe just ride him, run him into the ground, and then we'll figure it out after. Maybe that's their plan. But I just hope everyone realizes that this, this is a short-term fix, and it's not going to work in the playoffs. It just, it doesn't. So, if you Lamar Jackson truthers, if you're if you're expecting an apology, you're going to be waiting a while for me. Okay, let's dive into something that I saw. Well, I saw it yesterday, and it was J- most of you probably did too. 
I didn't really even watch the whole game, but I saw the highlights. Jalen Ramsey making plays. Rams beat the crap out of you know a, a team that's quit. Let's just call let's call the Falcons what they are. They're a team that's quit, and they have officially quit on Dan Quinn. And the Rams went in there and kicked the living crap out of them. And Jalen Ramsey was making plays. I think he forced a fumble. Might have had a PBU. We started. <laughs> he played. And I read this morning. Albert Breer, who now writes the MMQB that Peter King used to write. And he said some interesting things. He said that Shad Khan, which we all knew, didn't want to trade him. But his last and final straw was this back injury. That he went three straight games without playing. And Jalen Ramsey gave some quotes to back to Albert. Basically saying, I don't know why they were getting mad that I wasn't playing. I clearly wasn't practicing. And then he plays for the Rams a week after being traded. Less than that, right? He was traded, what, Monday? So he played on Sunday. I watched his thing that he did with Deion Sanders after the game, and they kind of mocked it, and they laughed at it. I don't care how Jalen Ramsey handled his business to get out of there. He hates Tom Coughlin. You do whatever you want, but let's just call a spade a spade. He quit in Jacksonville. He quit. Tapped out. Had enough. Quit. And... I do understand where Shad Khan's coming from. He got paid those weeks, and he just refused to work. You know, and I think Shad Khan has a right to be a little mad because paid him thinking that he could work it out and keep him there, and Ramsey kind of played him. And I don't think you very often see this, that Ramsey, in the NFL, it's hard to strong arm your way out of somewhere. I know Gruden loves to say that's what Mack did. He didn't really, though. Because he wanted to stay there. They just refused to pay him. And they were never going to pay him because Gruden, you know, potentially the owner didn't have money. Whatever. There's conflicting reports. But Mack would have taken their $90 million. That was the going rate. Clearly, the Jacksonville Jaguars were okay with paying him. Jalen didn't want to be there anymore. And he quit on him. You know, that Kawhi did the same thing a couple years ago to San Antonio Spurs. He quit. He quit. Like, it's, it's okay to say that. And again, I'm not offended by it. I really don't even care. Uh, I mean, Kawhi didn't even show up to playoff games when the Spurs were playing the Warriors that year. You you could argue at least Jalen was still coming around to team functions. But he quit and he got his way. And it's rare you see this in the league. You know, chalk went up for player empowerment. Because I, I saw Peter King, I think, tweeted either Sunday night or Monday morning. You know, sometimes on Twitter... You get tweets from days before, but you think it's that morning. And he said an NBA, an NFL executive had texted him, like, the NFL is becoming like the NBA. And I will always throw a red flag on that. Same thing with the NBA. You don't have to let the player push you around. If he's under contract, you just say, screw you, you're going to play. It's what, you know, happens in business. A lot of people just kind of puss out. Now, I don't necessarily think... The Jaguars did in this instance because the guy just will stop playing. I think a lot of times, like, okay, like Kyrie Irving a couple years ago demanded a trade, and the Cleveland Cavaliers just gave him away for basically nothing. That, to me, is player empowerment because they didn't have to just get shoved around like that. Paul George, like, I want out. Well, you could have just said, no, we're not trading you. Jalen Ramsey, we're not trading you. He's just going to keep faking this back injury, and there's nothing really you can do. But how many players in the NFL really can strong-arm their way out of places? 
Like Khalil, like I said with Khalil Mack, he was just asking for $90 million. That was the going rate once Donald got his cash. Jalen Ramsey just hated Tom Coughlin. Most players in the NFL are good with staying somewhere as long as they get paid. That Clowney just wanted to get paid. He knew Houston wasn't going to pay him. So his holdout was never going to end. Even Melvin Gordon, who held out, kind of realized, like, I might as well show back up and get my money. I, I think making blanket statements like the league's dramatically going to change, I'm just calling BS on that a little bit. But I do appreciate, I guess, I get a laugh out of the way that Jalen Ramsey just quit on the Jags. Just stopped playing. And then faked an injury. And one of those injuries that it's like, you can't say you got a broken hand or, you know, a pulled hammy. They can run MRIs. You just say, I got a hurt back. They're like, what do you mean? You're just like, back hurts. Stiff. There's nothing really they can do. So, Jalen Ramsey achieved his goal. Now he's an LA Ram. Okay, let's get into the Middlecoff mailbag. Where we take your questions and we answer them. I just got a Belichick coaching until he beats Don Shula's record. Maybe. (laughs) I mean, I I wouldn't put it past him. Wait, is Belichick going to quit coaching anytime soon? Because it's sure hard to see that. Okay, big, big fan, weekly listener. Do you think Travis Kelsey has been somewhat underperforming? If so, do you think he will start getting more opportunities now that Hill is back? I thought, when did I see him? I guess I saw him saw him live when he played Oakland week two. I thought he looked fantastic. I, I, I thought he looked good early in the season, you know, the first couple games. Maybe I wasn't super locked in. I guess he probably wasn't that productive against the Colts. Did they just, they had the Denver game. I, I, I think he's been fine. I, I, I also think, like you said, with Hill out, he's their number one weapon. So he's, I, I would imagine if you went down and broke down the all 22, he was taking a lot of heat. Hill should help him out. Sammy Watkins has been banged up. They've had injuries to their running game. So I, I definitely think that it'll be uh, it'll be okay when it all plays out. Like he's he's an excellent, he's an elite player. Let's see if I can got some of these. You guys sent some long questions. 18 INTs in today's NFL is unacceptable. How did Winston throw that many at Florida State in 13 games to get drafted number one overall? It's a hell of a question. I assume the Mannings forced the Eli trade to the Giants to have him and Peyton in separate conferences and play each other only rarely. But now I wonder if they didn't trust the Spanos ownership of the Chargers. Okay, let's start with the second question. Dean Spanos, one of the reasons the Chargers are always in these tight games for the last 10 plus years, ever since Marty Schottenheimer left, because Dean Spanos pays, you know, tiny wages to his coaches. He always has the lowest paid coach in the NFL. Whether it was Mike McCoy, now Anthony Lynn, he likes cheap coaches. He, do you think Dean Spanos in a million years would ever offer Sean Payton ten million dollars or go after a Lincoln Riley or an Urban Meyer? Of course not. That is not his mo. Dean Spanos gets off looking at his savings account. Can you imagine being born rich and then inherit a football team and still pinch pennies? Nothing more in life I I resent than rich people that are ch- that are cheap, and I don't mean necessarily like smart decisions with their money, but legitimately cheap with everything they do. And when I look at Dean Spanos, it just screams I'm cheap. Everything about him, it's like, bro, you, you deserve to lose. The only reason I don't necessarily root for them to lose because I like Philip Rivers, uh, and I like some of their other players too, Keenan Allen, uh, Bosa and Ingram. But man, he just. 
his cheapness is 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 disgusting from if you're an NFL fan, especially if you're a Charger fan. Winston, I think a lot had to do with just his attributes. You know, he was huge. He actually was really smart. You know, he academically qualified for a dumb player because you go, God, he's a low IQ football player, and he is. He's a really smart guy. He was an academic qualifier to Stanford. Like, he's bright. You know, that's what I think drives people nuts is you get around him, people like him, his teammates liked him. But, yeah, he just, it's looking back, that was an enormous red flag. Usually, you know, what do they say, a leopard doesn't change his spots. He showed you who he was. We just, and I, I, I was the same. I would have drafted a number one as well. I liked him more than Mariota. It's not like Mariota's any good. But you just, when you throw that many picks, it's just something he does. That's a crazy stat. 18 picks in 13 games. 18 interceptions in college for a guy that went number one overall. God, that's that's a hell of a stat by you. This seems obvious to me, but why can't we have an 18 playoff in college football? The five champions from Power 5 get in, as well as three wild cards from this gets conference play to mean which the NCAA is worried about and also might let the talent balance out with high-level recruits choosing to play in a weaker conferences like the Pac-12 because it increases their chances of getting into the tournament. Not a terrible idea. So this year, it'd probably be either Utah or Oregon would be in, Oklahoma, Clemson, probably Ohio State, but don't sleep on Penn State, and Alabama or LSU. But I think we'd know right away. So let's say Utah would get. Let's say Utah beats Oregon. Well, let's. For shits and giggles, let's say Oregon beats Utah. I know my guy Jeff Schwartz, Oregon guy. Say Oregon wins the Pac-12, they're in. Alabama wins the SEC, they're in. Clemson wins, they're in. Ohio State wins, they're in. And Oklahoma wins, they're in. That's five. Then I think you'd go probably LSU and Penn State would also get a nod. How sweet would that be? Like Penn State's the eight seed playing Alabama in round one. LSU's the seven seed playing Clemson or Ohio State in round one. Sign me up for that. Oklahoma, you know, versus Oregon round one. We we could get some great matchups. That's a, that's a that's a good question. I like that. I think we'll definitely head that way in the not so not so near future. Does that make sense? In the near future, I, I would imagine maybe three or four years we'll have eight teams. I, I do think the four teams though is pretty solid. It makes all these games matter. When Georgia get upset, gets upset, we all kind of freak. So yeah. I, I could see it. Detroit native, Lions fan. Can you do me a big favor? Simply acknowledge on the next three and out that the Lions should have beat the Cardinals, had the game versus the Chiefs won, and had the game versus Green Bay won. Somehow they are 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. We easily could be 5-0. and oh. Just acknowledge that one time for me. You're great. Have a great day. Well, didn't the Lions just lose the Vikings? Yeah, it's just, I feel for you guys, man. I, I really do because I'm a Matt Stafford guy. I was telling on my other podcast with Guy Haberman, Haberman Middlecoff, go subscribe, that the Lions are basically the Chargers of the Northeast. They just play, but they lose a lot more than the Chargers. They play in all these tight games. They have all these games won, and they just manage to lose so many of them. I I, I can understand if I'm a Lions fan. Like, we're so damn close, and we just never get over the hump for whatever reason. I I feel you. I, I will acknowledge that. You did have the Chiefs. You did have the Chiefs beat. You, the Green Bay game, when was that? Oh, yeah, you had the Green Bay, you had that game one. Yeah, you, you easily could be, you're going to be a six-win team and saying we should be in the playoffs. I, 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 they just put the NFC North stats on the, uh, on the Monday Night Football game. You guys are in last place. 
and 0-2 in the division. I, I feel your pain. Approximately 10% of the population is left-handed. Yet there are zero quarterbacks in the NFL that are left-handed. That's including quarterbacks. Wait, oh, that's including backups, excuse me. That's not a coincidence, right? Does Tua being left-handed drop his draft stock? Or is it, some t- is it something teams shouldn't worry, shouldn't worry about? I get, I get so fired up, I try to read faster than my brain can inhale the knowledge. Shows you I'm not Bill Gates. I think it's pretty random. I've been asked this a lot. Like, did you guys knock guys in the front office for being left-handed? I never heard that come up once. Never once. I'm trying to think of a good left-handed quarterback that was either coming out or that we liked in the league. Yeah, just, I, I don't know. Just the law of averages. That's a that's a hell of a stat. I don't really know what to say besides that it is kind of random. Because if you're a sweet left-handed player, Steve Young... Am I missing something? Who's someone kind of recent? Who's a left-hander? Mark Brunel. I mean, if you're a good left-hander, teams will take you. I, I don't think that... I've never heard it even come up. I swear. I've never heard a coach mention it one time. Chargers fan from MT. I think that's Montana. Is this team beyond lost or are the injuries have stacked up this much and set us back? The O-line is in shambles. I understand injuries are part of the game. Ours just seem to be... All impact players. With Mahomes out for a few games, can we crawl back up the ladder and salvage a playoff berth with the lack of depth in the AFC? Well, I think we have a loser least town game coming up this weekend, right? Against the Bears. Now that you guys lost to the Titans, you're 2-5. and five, But you started slow before. Last year, the Colts went 0-5 and, and they ended up making the playoffs. Now you're not going to be able to win the division at 2-5. and five, But could you get to 10-6 and six and have yourself a chance? For sure. It just feels like this is not the Chargers year. I'm sure, I know we've said that before, but it sure feels like, is this the year they go 6-10? and Because I, I, I'm starting to feel that way. The way that game ended the other day, where Melvin Gordon, where Eckler scores, gets turnover. They get stuffed, Melvin Gordon scores, he gets uh, stuffed short. Then he scores again, or he doesn't score, but he fumbles the ball. I, I've never, in the history of crazy Charger games, and they've had a lot of crazy Charger games. I would argue, and maybe a diehard Charger fan might have, you guys might have a couple better endings. Remember one time there was like a fourth and 20 and Ray Rice got a first down on you like 10 years ago. Might have been less than that, like eight or nine years ago. That one was pretty nuts. This one might take the cake though. Multiple plays overturned and then a fumble on the goal line. All at the goal line. All at the goal line. That's the most Chargers sequence. I tweeted it the other day. That's the most Chargers game ever. All caps ever. And I, I, I really do think it back. And I've watched a lot of them. Because I, I just stumble upon the CBS late game. I, I, I watch a lot of Chargers ending. And I think that one takes the cake. Thoughts on what Indy should do with Jacoby? Lifelong Colts fan. And I didn't see Jacoby being the long-term answer. How long should the Colts wait until they draft the future? Well, he did just throw four touchdowns. And they are in first place. So I, I just think you take it year by year. If you win the division and you win a playoff game, what more do you want? You just draft good players. You got a team that could once, you know, Adam Schefter said tonight on Monday Night Countdown that maybe Adam, that Tom Brady, how, his house is for sale. Alex Guerrero's house is for sale. And he can be a free agent. Maybe he's going to leave. Then Randy Moss said, like, Adam, where is he going to go? That is a good point. Like, where is he? He's not going to the Bengals. He ain't going to the Atlanta Falcons. He ain't going to Tampa Bay. 
So where is he going to go? Would he go to the Niners? Would they kick Jimmy to the curb for Tom Brady? I think they might. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would imagine maybe they draft a guy this year, like in the mid-rounds. But I think you're pretty confident with Jacoby. I mean, I only watched half the game. I got to watch the second half. I might do that when I send this podcast off. But, yeah, I just you throw four touchdowns and you beat the Houston Texans. You go back-to-back wins against the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not saying he's Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning, but he's pretty damn good. Why, why can't he be Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo? Put him on a good team and win games. I, I that's That's really all you want out of your quarterback. Hey, John, big fan out of Australia, and I think you fucking rock. Hell yeah, I do. I appreciate that. I'm kidding. I'm not that that, uh, that cocky. What do you think the chances are of the NFL ever being, bringing a game to Australia, either preseason or regular season? Also, thoughts on the Pats D, and if it, it is legit as it seems. I'm a big fan, but doesn't seem to me like they've played a legit quarterback. Well, I think they showed tonight on the Monday night broadcast that they got a lot of legit quarterbacks coming up. I think the problem with Australia, I went to New Zealand once when I was like 13 with my dad. It was a long, long flight. I, I, I remember, I he was already there. I met him. Shows you, I don't even know if you could do this. I would have been 12 years old, so this would have been like mid-90s, 95, 96. I literally flew at 12 years old. Might, might have been 11. I was in, I think, sixth grade. All the way from Sacramento, California to New Zealand. Now, I know New Zealand's not Australia, but it's a similar length. And it took forever. Now, it's a little different. You charter a jet. But it's still, what, a 15-hour flight? That's what I think the problem is. Like, even England, how far is that from the West Coast? 10 hours? That extra five hours is basically like America, right? So, I just think that the time is the problem. I also think the... You know, they, they they can still grow domestically. And I, I think sometimes it's hard when you spread your wings a little too wide. And you've seen that with the NBA. You get yourself in trouble. Now, I'm not saying you guys don't have problems like China and Australia. I, I, I think the biggest problem with Australia would just be logistically. It's just really, really far. I mean, really, really far. Because when they played games before in Japan, and maybe Japan is the same distance for California to Japan as California to Australia. I, I don't know. I've never been to Japan. But they usually take West Coast teams. Like it'll be Seattle versus LA or LA versus San Francisco. I think they're playing a preseason game there next year. So I, I, I guess to wrap this up, I don't think you're going to see an NFL game in Australia anytime soon. Let's see if I can get one more question here. Hey, John. Lifelong Bears fan here. I've been a Mitch defender since we drafted him, but... The subpar quarterback play is becoming all too common with him. Pace has put offensive weapons around him, and we have the defensive personnel that has carried us and will continue to. Is there any chance the Bears would move off of Mitch going into fourth year of his rookie contract? I don't feel like we are going to have a good enough draft pick to draft a quarterback. Well, obviously you don't have a first rounder because of Cleo Mack. Seems like Mariota will be out of Tennessee this offseason, would that be a viable option to pursue since we have his former offensive coordinator from his time in Oregon? Is Mitch the future, or what are the other Bears' options? Well, let's think about the... I don't, Mitch is not the future. So, if you don't pick up his fourth-year option and you replace him, can you make Mitch Trubisky the backup? I don't think you can. You probably just got to bite the bullet and cut him. Well, then what are your options? Mariota would be an option. Jameis would get cut. He would be an option. I think... Uh, Andy Dalton would be a potential option. 
Adam Schefter did mention that Tom Brady's selling his house and he's going to be a free agent. If you're the Bears, would you go after Tom Brady? Of course you would. Would Tom Brady be the quarterback of the Bears? I don't know. But I would say Tom Brady would be the number one option if he was available. But there's not going to be that many quarterbacks available when you just kind of look around the landscape. So it would be Mariota, Dalton. It would be kind of a short list. I just don't think you can roll Trubisky back if they go 7-9 and nine and he continues to play like crap. They're just, their team's too talented. They have good players on offense. They have, good, they have great players on defense. And you just need better player than the quarterback. Appreciate everyone listening. Go share with your friends. Uh, tweet it. Retweet it. And thanks again. Keep shooting me your Instagrams. At John Middlecoff. DMs wide open. And have a great week. H- have, a, have a great freaking week. Adios. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.